Gina Della from Pella through June 30th at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Choose 40% off installation or six-year no-interest financing. Get details now at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. You have perhaps seen this video because it has, in fact, gone viral. If you haven't, you can you follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I've got a I've got a link to it. It's really I, I watched it a couple times this morning, and I keep asking myself, what would I have done? If you haven't seen it, it's the it's the video. It's twenty two seconds long, and it is the video of the seventeen year old girl two days ago taking on a bear. Normally. They tell you when you see a bear, you are supposed to try to get away from the bear. Maybe not running because that'll aggravate the bear, but you're starting to move away. They never tell you go go after the bear. And yet this is precisely what has happened. Again, it's a 22-second video. It involves a 17-year-old girl who lives in Bradbury, California. So what you see on the video, and it's captured on a security camera, you see a, a bear kind of jump up on the, this wall that looks out over the, the patio of this particular residence. And it's a big, big old bear. It's The bear is climbed up on this wall. And then behind the bear are two cubs, two, two bear cubs, and they're walking along the, the wall. What happens then, and if you are a dog owner, you can relate to this. Apparently, the, there, there's dogs out on the patio, and one big dog and three smaller dogs start rushing towards the bear that is on the the wall and they're barking at at the bear which is i mean sort of it's triggered the protective instinct in the dog in the various dogs so the two bear cubs then kind of turn around and they, they run back the wall they get out of sight the bigger bear the bear the mama bear presumably with those big sharp claws is kind of like swiping at at the dogs so all of a sudden you see this woman run into the, the the picture and what she does is she pushes the bear off the wall and then she like grabs up the dogs and tries to chase them inside because she doesn't want the bear to attack the dogs it's an amazing 22 seconds um now th- this went viral after the gal's cousin it turns out she's 17 years old and after the this went viral and she's been doing all sorts of, of interviews and she said look the first thing I-, I thought i did was i just just push it push the bear get it get it back you know get it off get it off there and then you see the i mean the bear gets gets pushed off and then she kind of runs into the house and then the security video ends. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, so my wife and I are speaking about this this morning. See, and I, I, can, I can relate to that because I have a little dog, and the dog is very, very protective. You know, when, when we are at home... Um, she will, if she'll, if somebody comes to the door or if, uh, you know, people are walking by or, or whatever, she, she will, she will bark. She actually, I, I think does it less. We can kind of tell this because of security cameras. She does it less when, 
you know, we're not around. But she is very, very protective. And so I, I have no doubt. I mean, Sasha, my dog, doesn't she? She doesn't know, you know, bears from Adam. I, I have no doubt if all of a sudden some bear tried to climb in on our back patio and she was outside, she'd be running out and she'd bark at, at the bear. She doesn't realize that she's a little tiny six-pound dog. And I'm trying to think about my reaction, and my first and only reaction would be to get her away from the bear. And so I can, I don't know that I would even think about it, but I understand exactly what this 17-year-old did. It was like, I'm going to protect the dog. So she runs and she pushes the bear back. Now, this story has a happy ending. We're talking about it because she pushes the bear off the wall. She grabs up the dog. She runs inside. Now, the story could be quite different if she runs out goes to push the bear and the bear takes one of those big paws and the big claws and swipes at her and then you've got a completely different story but all's well that ends well our number 855-616-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line i think this is one of those deals where adrenaline takes over and i could easily see myself without thinking just just doing that in order to protect the pet 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How would you handle this? Was this irresponsible of the, the 17-year-old to go and push the bear off the wall? I Maybe, but I understand it completely. She's all about protecting her dogs, and I think most of us would. Um, um, uh, Jeff, I would argue that she is very protective um, you know, 855-616-1620. Jeff, one word. I think it was dumb of her to do that. Jeff, that woman girl is crazy. She's lucky to still be alive. Yeah, I, I understand all that. And this could have a different story. But I also relate. If that was my dog that was barking at this giant bear and the dog would easily have been bear chow, I'm going to, I, I'm not going to cower in the house. I'm running out, and I'm getting that dog away from the bear. And if that means pushing the bear, I can see why she did it. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, a couple of years ago, my brother was in his cabin in Lake Tomahawk, had a few Jack and Cokes, and he was cooking on his grill. He went to the other side of the house for a little while, and when he came around the corner, he saw a black bear sniffing around the grill. And he just started running towards it, yelling and waving his arms. The bear ran off. Then he said, how many jacks does it take to chase away a bear? Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, mama bear meets um, ferocious dog mother. Well, there is an element to that. Okay, we're going to be back with your calls in just a moment. All right, yes, it was it was probably silly, but I understand what was motivating this girl. She wasn't thinking of anything other than, I'm not going to let this bear hurt the dogs. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Jeff, if you are any kind of dog owner, you should be able to call your dog from a distance and the dog should disengage, to which my response was, you're not either not serious or you're not a dog owner. Yeah, there, There's this big bear. The dog is barking at the bear. Oh, yes, stop, dog, and come back to me. I, right, good, good luck with um, that. 
Um, let's see. Even though this was a 17-year-old girl and the dog is obviously of a different species, I would label this as maternal instincts. Her adrenaline was quick acting and her love for her dog is clearly immense. Glad everybody is okay. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Jeff, my first reaction would be to protect my dog as well. Jeff, I would have done the same thing as the girl in a heartbeat. Protecting your pets is priceless. Um, Jeff, it was a natural reaction. She did it on instinct. Okay, now here's the flip side. Jeff, the media and social media need to stop glorifying this glorifying this. One swipe could have caused her severe harm. It was a stupid thing to do. Well, I, I understand. I and I understand, but if the choice is standing back, the the dogs Look, the dogs, they don't know it's a bear. The dogs just know that there's this big animal that has now climbed onto the the wall next to the patio. They're barking at it. The bear is swiping at it. I mean, I don't know. If if you're a pet owner, what are you going to do? Sit there and watch your dogs be mauled by a bear? I don't think so. 855-616-1620. And yes, this could have turned out definitely different. But I understand what was driving this lady. I get it. Patty in Oak Creek. Patty, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. I would do anything, absolutely anything in the world to protect my dog, anything. So what she did is very heroic. Um, you know, we people out there, you know, don't protect their animals and shouldn't have animals. So I, I'm for, so for that young lady for what she did and to take care of her dog like that. Yeah. So I, I'm totally, I would do the same thing. Well, right. Yeah. And I, see, I, I doubt, I don't even think she thought it through. She just sees, oh, my God, the, these are my dogs, and there's this bear that's out there, and i got to get them away. I mean, it's not like she she just gets the, pushes the bear to get it away and then kind of rounds the dogs up. And, I I mean, I understand why the dogs are doing this. My, if my dog saw a bear, she would bark at the bear. <laughs> there's, there's no question about it. And, you know, dogs... Dogs love us unconditionally, and they're such a great part, of, a big part of our lives. And right. you got, you got, got to take care of them, just like you do your children. Seriously. Yeah. Right. Now, th- thanks for the call. And I, I mean, it, it's kind of like every once in a while, I will. We're, I'm really working on 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 trying to get my dog to. to bark less at like other dogs and stuff but i i and i i understand what's going on it is a protective instinct she she thinks she is protecting my wife and i so you you, you want to get it under control i i get it and and we're working on that but at the same time i i understand where a lot of this is coming from and you know again you, you got to teach them not to bark when the dogs come running up and stuff but i i have no doubt like i say if she was out on we don't let her out without a leash but if she was out on an enclosed patio and all of a sudden a bear starts coming over the wall i she she's going to run up and she's going to engage adam in brookfield adam you're on wtmj yeah good afternoon if you're not a pet owner you wouldn't understand their family i if i lost one of my dogs which we have lost more than like we lost a close family member when i i would risk my life to protect any of my pets when i walk one of my dogs in our neighborhood where there's a lot of invisible fences with 150 pound dogs behind them I always carry a knife in my pocket, and if they would attack my dog, I would mm-hmm. take care of it. I was just their yeah. family. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's why, you know, over over the years, Adam, I've talked about this problem we have in some communities with the, the coyotes, or coyotes, however you want to say it, that, you know, are attacking small pets and stuff like that. And they're, you know, they're, they're getting bolder now. I mean, I, like I say, I never let my dog go out without, she's, she's always going to be on, on a leash, but she doesn't know bears from coyotes from, you know, poodles. I mean, she's, she's if she sees a coyote, she's going to bark at that coyote. And, you know, if the coyote thinks that she's going to be a 
snack, and I'm there, right? You're going to have to go through me to get to my dog. That's just kind of the way it is. Thanks for the call. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, my thoughts are that she just uh, had an adrenaline rush and uh, reacted to uh, protect a loved one. Yeah. A pet is like a child to some people, and you just don't think twice. You just do it. You hear about people picking up cars off of people who they got this adrenaline rush just to save someone, and I think that's what happened. So, yeah, uh, that's yeah. my right. thought. No, no, thanks for calling. And again, it, I, I, I appreciate, Mike, that this could have... That this could have ended in a much different way. That's what I said at the beginning. That this story could, instead of having this, hey, we're going to have the girl in Good Morning America, and she's going to be talking about this, and it's this brave teenager. If the bear responds in a different way, I, I understand this could be a quite different story. So we discuss it from the perspective of all's well that ends well. But I, I get, I get where this woman was coming from, and I think. Under a similar circumstance, I would have done the, the same thing, and I think my wife would have told you that I would have done the same thing. Jeff, I saw the video. Good grief. Mama Bear and Cubs is a frightening situation. The girl's love for her dogs took over common sense. Years ago, we were at Bear Country in South Dakota. Sign said, do not roll down windows. Hubby rolled down windows to take pictures of the bears. Because he was not too bright. That's her comment, not mine. An instant later, the kids are yelling to roll up the window. Yep, bear claws the size of a whole hand were attached to the side of the car as he frantically rolled up the window. We laugh about it now, but it was terrifying. Um, yes. Jeff, my husband always used to tell everyone that if I ever asked him for a divorce, he would fight for custody of the animals, and then he knew I would never leave him. I haven't left him either. So there you, there you go with that. Um, um, Jeff, have you ever seen anyone that's been attacked by a bear? A bear? The bear will kill both of you. It's a dog. That comes from the perspective, I think, of somebody who's probably not a dog owner. Jeff, don't forget teenagers' mentality. They will live forever. Yes, and by the way, I, I understand if you're saying, okay, do you think you should be engaging bears? Well, of course not. But I understand what was driving this gal. And for people who say, well, it's just the dog. Let the dog kill the, let the bear kill the four dogs. You are obviously not a pet owner. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The Miracle League of Milwaukee is celebrating its 10th anniversary. That means an entire decade of bringing together children of all abilities to play organized baseball. The Miracle League believes everyone deserves a chance to play our national pastime, but they can't do it without the support of the community. That's where you come in. To find out how you can support this great local organization, go to WTMJ.com slash CARES or text the word CARES to 855-616-1620. WTMJ CARES, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Grub, producing the show today and always. Okay, this is a generational test. When I say the name B.J. Thomas, do you know who B.J. Thomas is? No, that does not ring a bell. Okay, have you ever heard of the song Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head? <laughs> yes. Okay, you have Butch Cassidy. Right. B.J. Thomas was, was a singer-songwriter. His probably three most famous, he was very, very hot in the early 1970s. Um, his, his, pro- his most famous song was Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, which was featured in the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You've heard of that, right? You've seen that movie? Yes, I've seen that movie. Okay. He did a couple other tunes, um, Hey, Won't You Play Another Somebody Does Somebody Wrong song? No, you know, not that one. I'll take your word for it. Okay, how about Hooked on a Feeling? You've heard of Hook Ooga Chaka, Ooga Chaka. Ooga. Right, yeah, you, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, you've heard of that one. All right, so... 
you've you've got um, that. Well, in any event, he, he died. <laughs> but but it you know it's it's it is one of these things. Seventy eight years old. He was a singer songwriter um, and just incredibly incredibly popular in in the day. And the the song like raindrops keep falling in your, in your head. That was like number one for weeks and weeks and weeks. And of course, it was popular popularized because the Paul Newman. Robert Redford movie, uh, um, Butch Caston and Sundance Kid. That was the song that it was featured in, and Paul Newman's riding a bicycle and stuff. But B.J. Thomas, incredibly, incredibly popular, passed away over the weekend at the age of 78. All right, as long as we're going this route, Gavin McLeod. Do you know who Gavin McLeod was? Uh, I've definitely heard the name before, but I can't think of who the person is. Mike Spalding, you know who Gavin McLeod was? I do not. I came one question too late. Oh, you knew who B.J. Thomas was? Yeah. Okay. All right. Gavin, Gavin McLeod. Oh, my goodness gracious. This You guys are making me feel old. Gavin McLeod was a, a character actor who appeared in just a, a ton of movies and sitcoms. Um, one, one of my favorite movies, he, he was a, he was a bit player. He was like, a, uh, in, in the movie Kelly's Heroes. But, but he, he claimed, came to fame. He was one of the writers. He was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. And he was, he was Murray on the Mary Tyler Moore show. And then he went on to be, um, Captain, with Steubing on the Love Boat. He was the captain on the Love Boat for all those years. And it's one of those where I'm sure that even if you didn't know the guy's name, if you saw, if you saw his face, you'd know, okay, that, that's, I, I recognize that guy. But he was in all these different movies and stuff. Well, um, you know, he passed away Saturday as well, same day as B.J. Thomas. Um, he was 90 years old. But, again, it's another one of these, it's another one of these sort of generational things. Because it was so funny because Gavin McLeod, like I say, if you look at, if you watch movies from the the 60s in particular you'll you'll see he'll he'll pop up in in all these different movies and you'll people you know don't necessarily know he wasn't a starring role he just had these like smaller character parts and stuff but you know he you'd say oh i i recognize that guy but then after the mary tyler moore show he became famous and the love boat made him even more famous and then his career kind of petered out after that but he passed away at the age of 90 as well i remember the guys even if some of the younger generation doesn't Uga Chaka, Uga Chaka. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. The governor of Indiana has just become one of at least 24 states to say to the federal government, enough is enough. Stop with the $300 extra supplements to unemployment benefits. I think everybody knows this. When the pandemic first hit last spring, what happened is the federal government rushed in. All sorts of people lost their jobs, and the federal government rushed in and said, okay, we're going to give you $600 a week on top of whatever you're getting for your state unemployment benefits, which on average is around 315 bucks. Well, what, what ended up happening, of course, is people made more money in many cases, by not working than they did by by working. So that $600 expired. So what happened is the federal government said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to give $600 because we understand we have created a disincentive to work. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you $300 on top of whatever you were making before. And for somebody, the way it works out is $600, $300 plus, on average, $316, 600 bucks a week. That translates into over $15 an hour.
So if you were working at a job that pays less than $15 an hour and you can qualify for unemployment, it makes perfect economic sense for you not to work. I mean, just it, it. Look, as long as you can milk those benefits, it makes perfect sense for you not to to do that. And lots and lots of people are doing that. So the governor of Indiana says, "Look, here, here's the deal. We currently have about 116,000 available jobs in the state that need to be filled, but people make more money." on unemployment, when you couple it with the the state unemployment and you add this federal benefit, they make more money. And so people aren't going to work. And so we we don't have these employers. These employers can't find people to, to do these jobs. Similarly, story in the Washington Post today, um, the governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, who is a Republican, he said, look, here, here's the deal. I, I appreciated why we had the 600 and why we had the 300. It was important to give temporary relief. But he said, this is no longer necessary. He said, the problem with this is that once again, these enhanced unemployment benefits, they are they are creating a disincentive for people to go back to work. And employers can't find people to go back to work because they are competing essentially with the federal and state government who are paying people to stay home. Now, into that comes, of course, our governor, Tony Evers, who is very, very insistent that he has no intention of turning down the money. He says, first of all, he says he's not sure at all that this added uh, benefit is creating, is causing people not to go back to work, to which my first response is, you know, should we drug test the governor? I mean, seriously, in Wisconsin, um, maximum you can get is $370 a week on unemployment. That's the maximum. So you add 300 bucks to that, it's 670 a week. The average person is getting like 616 but that's still more than $15 an hour. Evers says, well, look, I, I'm not convinced at all that this is providing a disincentive for people to go back to work. And he says, I, I view that this whole thing, the, the pushback against the extra money, the the requiring, the re- reinstating the requirement that people actually look for work, says, I, I think this is a pushback against poor people and people who are struggling during the pandemic, quote, unquote. 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry, but Governor Evers could not be more wrong, at least in my opinion, with this. The, the truth of the matter is you have now the federal government, which is competing with the private sector, and the federal government together with state government is paying more people to sit on their butts as opposed to go look for jobs, jobs that are, in fact, available and jobs that are going wanting. And so as a result of this, you have businesses which are, uh, not able to stay open as much as they would. I was talking to somebody just the other day who was saying that they, they, they're, they're now closed Monday and Tuesday. It's a restaurant. They're closed Monday and Tuesday because they can't get help. They, they can't get help because people aren't willing to come and work for 13 or $14 an hour at the restaurant because they can still make more money while they sit at home. And this is going to continue until you get to a point where it's finally in their economic incentive to do it. Governor Evers says, no, I don't see that this happening at all. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't see this as a war on poor people. If you want to get the economy back together again, you got to make people go back to work. And for people who say, well, you know, they go back to work if you pay them 20 or $25 an hour, maybe, you know, maybe not. 
But if the job is only worth 12 or $13 an hour, where is that extra 5 or 10 bucks going to come from? 855-616-1620. Long story short, I think Governor Evers should follow the lead of at least 24 other governors and say we can't continue with this gravy train until it's expected to expire in September because we're not going to be able to get anybody back to work during the summer. We discuss in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I'm a foreman for a municipal government in southeast Wisconsin. We are so desperate for seasonal labor that we have raised our seasonal nine-month term to 17 to $21 per hour, and we still can't get anywhere near the help we need. Well, well right, right, that's because... You have people who are making essentially more than 15 bucks an hour by not working. So why, why go to work for, okay, let's say it's outdoors, you know, a physical job, you're cutting lawn, doing whatever that is for, for two or three dollars more than you can getting sitting on your butt. There's no incentive for, for people to do that. And of course, one of my socialist listeners says, well, if it's, you can't expect people not to, if it's not a living wage, you know, you can't expect people to work for that. Uh, the actual text was, if the job is worth less than a living wage, that's a failure of the employer, not the employee. Hours of a person's life are always worth a living wage. So in other words, all right, even if the job objectively is only a, is a job that's worth 12 bucks an hour, we should pay people $24 an hour. Now, where people like that who believe that think that money is going to come from, why well, obviously they believe that it's either, you know, you go out and you shake the money tree in the back. But, but the truth is, it, it's the market that determines what a job is worth. It's the free market. It's your skills, all those different types of, of things. That's the situation that, that comes into play there. And when you have the government competing, and that's what's going on right now, the government is competing with the private sector, and they are paying people to stay home. Now, maybe Evers' idea is he's trying to force employers to, to pay more than the job is worth. And, and maybe, again, that, that's sort of like the, the socialist mantra, let's use this to try to you know force employers to pay more because otherwise we'll create this incentive for people to, to stay at home. Now, maybe that's ultimately the plan, but uh, no, that's not good. Jeff, we have three factories in four locations, two in Missouri, two in Wisconsin. Last year in August, we had a total employment of 450. We are targeting 950 right now. We have managed to hire about 300, but have stalled there. We have raised wages to 17.50 an hour in manufacturing and 20 dollars an hour in the foundry to start. We are now moving in employees from other states because we can't get enough people locally. We are providing hiring bonuses, stay bonuses, referral bonuses, attendance bonuses. We just don't know what else to do. If they can make $15 an hour at home and they are on subsidized health care, how much would I have to pay them to get them off the couch, pay for their insurance and gas? This is unprecedented. Yes. And, and you hear that going on. And look, and again, I, I understand if you're in if you're in a job that that's physical manual labor a job that you don't particularly like a job working in a foundry in the summertime well i get it okay 20 dollars an hour to go work in this foundry and, and sweat my butt off or 15 or 16 dollars an hour plus subsidized health care to stay at home and watch days of our lives i understand i i understand and but 
But to me, that's wrong. Unemployment has always been, uh, again, it's sort of a safety net for unemployment has always been not an incentive to stay home. It's been designed as something to help people while they are between jobs. And we are essentially at a point now where there are plenty of jobs that are around for people who are, are willing to go to work. But if you pay, pay people almost as much money or as much money not to work, well, they're not going to work. It's just nature. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Todd in Milwaukee. Hi, Todd. Hey, Jeff. Um, so I guess my question is, if our government can afford to pay people to stay home, how about bonusing people to go to work? I mean, if I need a dishwasher in my place of employment, that market rate pays 12 to $15 an hour. How about how about incentivizing that person to go and, and or somebody that's at home to go and get a job and take this job and and uh, and get paid $15 an hour plus what the government's going to kick in? Um, as, as would you do that permanently, or would you do it just for uh, during the, the until the pandemic ends? I think just to get our right. economy back in shape, and until the pandemic ends. Right. Yeah. Right. Thanks. No. That. That's. No. That. That's an interesting concept. The idea instead of paying people to stay home which we are doing now and incentivizing them to stay home, we would like offer a little bit of a stipend to the employers so that you could bring them in. I'd have to kind of think through that. That is clearly a better alternative than what we're doing now. And again, the interesting thing is you have about half the governors in this country who've realized that that's a problem. And, and you, you've got businesses that are saying, we've got these jobs here, but we've got to fill them. Um, Jeff, how can I get one of those jobs where I can stay home and watch TV and earn $15 an hour. Well, I I don't know. What you have to do is you have to be unemployed. And look, I understand. I've said this before. I get why we did this a year ago, because you you had this monumental thing. The pandemic hit, businesses closed, jobs went away, people were hurting. I understand why we did this with the stimulus and the benefits to try to keep people, you know, work, to try to let people sort of be able to make their rent and make their bills, even though we suspended a lot of that. But I, I didn't have a problem with it at the time. But all good things have to come to an end. And now that businesses are open or opening up again, well, I, I think that, um, you know, it's a different incentive. Jeff, don't people still have to prove that they've gotten three job applications a week to show that they're trying to get a job? Well, in Wisconsin, that whole thing was suspended until, I want to say, this week or last week. So now, yes, you you actually have to go out and you have to put in applications. Um, Jeff, I got unemployment for the past six months. I am now in my late 50s and seeing ageism for not getting hired, but I have no health care, so not sure how people are doing this. I was let go after 20-plus years at a company that, in fact, downsized. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand, and so that's... That's the thing. I know people, lots of companies have closed, but you you got to figure out a way to get back into the, the workforce. Unemployment cannot continue forever. Unemployment has never been intended or designed as a state-sponsored welfare program. And, and the reason is exactly what we are seeing now. When you make it a state-sponsored welfare program, what ends up happening is people decide that they're not going to go back to um 
work again. Uh, let's see. Jeff, my son is 16 working at Walmart. They just bumped him to $15 an hour to stock shelves. Frankly, he isn't worth $15 an hour, but I am making him work to gain a work ethic. Well, that's, you know, yeah, that's, that's it. You know, you, there is that value to that. And again, a lot of these, a lot of these jobs were, especially the, the stocking shelves at Walmart and stuff, they're, they're not intended as being family supporting jobs. That's, they're, they're not career type of jobs, but they're jobs that you work at while you're looking to try to either better yourself or to find something better. Now, a lot of these jobs in the trades though, I mean, the guy that just texted me about they, they can't find people to work in the foundry for 20 bucks an hour. Well, my guess is that that is a job, you know, in the trades where, yeah, that's the starting sort of thing. But if you can learn the skill and you can do it and you can show up for more than a month at a time, there is probably the chance um, for advancement. Jeff Evers feels taking away the $300 extra unemployment is penalizing poor people. Government benefits keep poor people poor. They lose the opportunity to get ahead by relying on the government. That, that's right. See, that's a very interesting point because where where does this end? I mean, show me what the end game is on this. If you're If you're not requiring people to go back to work sooner or later those benefits are going to end so whether it's today or whether it's september 6th they're going to end and at that point the people are going to have to go back in the workforce because they're 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 not going to be on unemployment anymore or there's not going to be enough money to survive on unemployment so yeah they're going to have to go back in the workforce all we've done is give them an extra couple months sitting on the couch. We've given them a summer off. How is that penalizing poor people? They're no closer to developing marketable skills unless, and maybe this is Eva's goal, what we want to do is we want to create an entire generation of people who don't have to work. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I assume we're going to have to change that show open at some point in time. Don't know if the, Mike had the, the story where they've announced that the, the company is moving the radio stations down to the Avenue, which is the former Grand Avenue. And the, the timing of kind of up in the air. I think the offices are might be completed by the end of this year. The studio's probably not till a little bit after that. Um, it, it's it, it's going to be interesting, and that's from the perspective of somebody. I've been in this building for. Well, you know, parts of four decades now. I mean, I started in 1998, and I was kidding around. I think the the carpet that I I don't think it has been changed in all those years. So it's it, it it will be nice to be in a facility that's a little bit newer. And when you go into the men's room, for example, there's you know there's more than like one sink that works and things like that. So the the, the building where we're in is historic. It is also tired. There's no question about that. All right. So last night I met the baseball game. Uh, the Brewers ended up losing 10 to 7. Uh, it, it was in, in some the, the, the Tigers scored six runs in the second inning and the Brewers were kind of trying to catch up after that. It, it was in some respects the, the stuff. I, I love baseball. I, I just do. But long game, three and a half hours long. And we stayed till the end. So the good thing about staying till the end of a baseball game where it's 10 to seven and it goes three and a half hours on a Tuesday night is when you go out to the parking lot, you don't have any trouble finding your car because it, it's it's there that the problem, of course, is with the length of these games, you see all sorts of people that bring their families and they, they just can't sit through three and a half hours of baseball on a school night in particular. So they're all, they're all leaving. But it's a, 
I guess I don't know how baseball does it. Yesterday there was a lot of walks and a lot of um, a lot of pitching changes and a lot of pitchers who weren't moving the game along. It just it really did kind of crawl. And of course the Brewers ended up losing. But that ball players can play quickly when they want to. Um, last night they they did not want to play quickly, and so it was three and a half hours long. But I don't want to talk about baseball. I want to talk about football because wh- I was there last night with the. Um, Son of my, my very good friend. And we were talking a little bit about the Packers. And then, you know, other people were kind of chiming in on this. There, there's a story in the Journal Sentinel today about the rift between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And, and you heard Greg's new sportscast at the top of the hour where he was saying, okay, that the next date, Aaron Rodgers right now doesn't have to report. These are like optional team activities. But, but June 8th, that's the mandatory minicamp. And if he doesn't report then, he starts getting fined. And those fines are, are not waivable. And it, it's very apparent that Aaron Rodgers has, I don't think he has any intention of showing up in June. Anyhow, piece in the paper today by Tom Silverstein talking, well, the headline is Packers must weigh risk versus reward of mending fences with Aaron Rodgers. And the, the upshot of this is that it, it if the Packers want to bring Aaron Rodgers back, they, they may have to um, tear up his existing contract and and make a commitment to him of about forty million dollars a year, which would make him the second highest paid you know uh, football player in in the NFL. And the, the story goes on to talk about how th- there's huge risks when you do that with somebody who's who's thirty seven years old, going to be thirty eight years old this this December, because. Tom Brady notwithstanding, there there's a point where your skills kind of atrophy. I mean, and, and it's really kind of like a cliff. You know, they see a lot of times, you know, people end up, you know, losing it, and they lose it quickly. In addition, you know, Rodgers had, he's got an injury uh, situation, multiple concussions, two broken collarbones, a broken foot, a uh, tibial plateau fracture, an MCL strain, a calf strain. I mean, it, it's, it's what happens, you know, as you're playing football, particularly over a 16-year career, and and so if you're signing somebody, you know, especially somebody who is 37, 38 years old, and you're trying to make them happy and make this huge commitment of money, you're, you're really taking a risk. And the article goes on to say, hey, if something happens to, to even if they commit to paying him this money, it's going to create huge problems for the Packers down the line because they're going to have all these salary cap issues moving forward. On top of it, they say, look, if you commit all this money to Rodgers and something would to happen to him or his play diminishes even a little bit, you're, the, the Packers are in a lot of trouble. And then, of course, there's always the issue of, you know, is even if you just paid him, do you, do you want to have somebody who's only there because you, you've just backed up the Brinks truck, and, and that's that's why they're there, somebody who's already under contract. So there's all these issues that are going on. Well, anyhow, I'm at the ball game last night, and, and we're, I'm talking about this with my friend's son and then a couple other people as well, because I'm, I'm just genuinely curious. These are all huge Packers fans. These are sports fans. We're at the ball game, And my, my question was, wh- what do the Packers do with, with Aaron Rodgers? And I was legitimately curious because I thought particularly with some – some younger people, it might be, my God, we, we want to see the Packers get to the Super Bowl. And they've got a better chance of getting to the Super Bowl with a, an Aaron Rodgers, 
assuming he's still playing at the same level he played at last year, than a couple draft picks or, you know, maybe a fill-in quarterback for a year. And and that's that's true. I mean, because I, I thought we I'd be hearing that. I will tell you to a person, to a person, young, middle-aged, and old, that I was talking to last evening about this, and this was one of the sources of discussion, the attitude was to heck with him. If if he doesn't want to be here, if he doesn't want to honor his contract, the guy should be treated like a cancer. If he wants to sit in Hawaii with his, you know, new fiance, fine. Although I don't personally, I don't think that's a, a likelihood. I mean, I think you know, if he decides he doesn't want to play, that that's that's fine. He end up not getting paid for it. My point has always been, if he doesn't want to be here. You shouldn't force him to be here. You shouldn't bribe him to be here. What you should do is you either let him sit out and not play, or if you can get market value for him, if you can get some great deal, you you get that great deal and you move on, understanding that, well, okay, it might come back to haunt you, but on the other hand, it might solidify your team for years moving forward for the next few years, understanding he's not going to be here forever. And that was, in general, the sense I would say I got from, well, everybody that I was talking to yesterday. We'd like to have Aaron Rodgers back, but frankly, the way this is handled, the way he's played this out in the news, if he doesn't want to be with the Packers, to heck with him, let's move on. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, we're coming to, again, the date, June 8th. First minicamp, he's supposed to be here. He's not going to be here. Has your attitude on Aaron Rodgers changed? Is it time for the Packers to move on? My answer is, yeah. If he legitimately says he doesn't want to be here anymore, either let him sit out, or if you can make a good trade, make a good trade. Maybe it's a step back, but big picture, I don't know, the nightmare scenario is Aaron Rodgers comes in, you commit to pay him a boatload of money, and he either doesn't perform as well, he doesn't want to be here, or he ends up getting hurt, then then where are you? 855-616-1620. Maybe it's time to send him packing. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Oh, one of our textures is a poet. Aaron, Aaron, go away. One, No one wants you in Green Bay. You can go, well, somewhere to, <laughs> to play. <laughs> That's got that uh, axe there. Jeff, it is definitely time to move on one way or another. In a previous lifetime of mine, I was a manu- manager of a manufacturing company almost 10 years. I would never be held over the barrel the way Aaron Rodgers is trying to do to the Green Bay Packers by any of my star employees. Bottom line is, if he doesn't want to play, I think we should find a way to get rid of him while making as much profit off him along the way. Jeff, don't trade him. Let him sit until the end of his contract so he can't play with another team until 2023 by then he'll be nearly 40 and won't have played it down for two years his worth will diminish just desserts for his prima donna attitude well i mean there there is i understand that i i understand that but if you in some respects that's i'm going to use the cliche that's cutting off your nose to spite your face because if you can assuming you can get market value i'm not arguing you give aaron Rodgers away 
I'm not. But assuming you can get market value for somebody who has the potential to be a cancer on the team and clearly, you know, he wants to be the, he wants the general manager fired, you, you can't do that. And who, if you give him more money than he's already making and he's under contract and he's making a boatload of money, if you give him even more money and something happens or his skills diminish even a little, you, you've really messed up this team for years and years with the salary cap problems and things like that. Well, it, you know, you, you put all those things together, and maybe it's just like, look, it, we're we're going to try to get, we'll let somebody else take the risk, and we understand that maybe that's a step back, assuming, again, that you get the same Aaron Rodgers next year for the Packers that you got last year. But if you get an Aaron Rodgers who's, I don't know, hasn't been working out this this winter and has is on some sort of like weird diet and has lost twenty pounds and doesn't really want to be there, and or gets hurt. Well, then, you know, then where are you? Um, let's see. Aaron needs to go. Um, Jeff, most people d- don't understand that draft picks are potential talent, and most of them don't pan out. Um, yeah, I, I, I get it. I understand that there is always a risk of that. But Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be here forever. And I might have a different opinion on this if we were talking about a 30-year-old quarterback instead of somebody who's 37 or 38. And the truth is, in the NFL, Tom Brady notwithstanding, your, your, your butt doesn't typically age like fine wine. And quarterbacks are able to play longer. But let's face it, your, your shelf life is diminished. And your chances for injury have increased. And if you don't want to be here at some point in time, what does it say to the players if if you kowtow to this? What does it say to the people in the future that you, you can hijack and hold up the franchise? Jeff, ship the selfish child out. He's not a team player, proving once again it's all about him, and he really doesn't care about the team. See, what I think is interesting about this, and, and this mirrors the conversations I was having last night at the Brewers game, it's it, the fans get this. And, and if, if Aaron Rodgers thought that, oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're bigger than the team and everybody's going to say we have to do, you know, what, what we need to keep Aaron Rodgers, that, that's not how this is playing out among the fan base. And I really do believe that he has, at least for the short term, he, he's poisoned his relationship with the fans. Now, if he comes back and has another MVP season and the Packers win the Super Bowl, probably all is going to be forgiven. But I'm not sure we're looking at a situation like that. Um, I am not sure we're looking at a situation like that at all. Jeff, they disrespected him. Now he's disrespecting them, just like relationships. When that happens, it's over, um, but they have to get a lot for him. Well, I think they could get a lot for him. And as far as disrespect, I sent out a tweet about this the other day. I, I wish WTMJ would disrespect me like the Packers disrespected Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they made him the highest paid player in in the NFL they gave him tens of millions of dollars up front and yes it's true that they didn't consult with him before they they decided to draft a guy who might be his replacement but like I said before all right make make me the highest paid personality in Milwaukee radio guarantee me a four-year deal and then if if you bring in the person that you think is going to be my successor at the end of four years because I'm not going to do this forever I'm, I'm cool with that I, a matter of fact, I will even help give that person a, a leg up. But that's not apparently the way Aaron Rodgers perceives it. Um, let's see. Um, 
Jeff um, Silverstein, that would be the Journal Sentinel reporter, points out that Rogers mentions his MVP. However, Rogers neglects to mention his career. 78 quarterback rating and six NFL championships games. In those games, he's thrown six touchdowns and seven interceptions. He's a fall, Hall of Fame performer in the regular season. He drops the ball in the postseason. That is from Neil. Uh, Jeff, old saying, don't price yourself out of business. I say, let him go. Uh, Jeff, don't trade him until next year. That way we send him to a team that's not winning, increasing probably of a higher first-round draft pick. Well, you know, I mean, I understand you can play that game. And the the argument with the draft picks is you you send him to a team and he's going to make that team better, so your draft picks are going to be a little bit lower. Yeah, I I get that, but that means you you go a year without getting either draft picks or without having Rodgers play. Bottom line is, sometimes it is like a bad breakup, and it it appears that that's the situation we're in now. All I am saying to the Packers is that I think while there's going to be some people that are always going to criticize what you do, Aaron Rodgers has, in the space of a remarkably short period of time, blown I think a lot of goodwill that he had built up over a 16 year career. And that's a lesson to everybody that when it comes to, to goodwill and public support and stuff, it, it's a very, very slippery slope. And one day you can be on the top of the world and one weekend later it can all end. And I think as far as Packer fans go with Aaron Rodgers, vast majority of them have think that maybe that relationship has come to an end. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, you lose Devontae Adams as well without Aaron Rodgers. Probably something most people at the Brewers game didn't think about. I don't buy that. I mean, I mean, first of all, um, who, who knows, again, how long Aaron Rodgers is going to play? Secondly, a- athletes, at the end of the day, they're looking out for themselves. If Devontae Adams leaves the Packers, it's because some team comes along and pays Devontae Adams a lot more than the Packers are, are willing to pay him. I suspect that the Packers are prepared to make Dante Evans the highest paid receiver in the league when his contract comes up or one of the very highest paid receivers. And as long as they pay him fairly, he, he's he, Devontae Adams isn't going to be following Aaron Rodgers to some place because the team that gets Aaron Rodgers is going to inherit the same salary cap problems that the Packers have. So I don't I don't accept that. Jeff, Aaron Rodgers can't even get along with his family. Uh, what leads to you to believe that he could be a team player? Well, I don't think he is a team player. Jeff, I was always taught there is no I in team. Again, the interesting thing to me, and it's one of the reasons I'm fascinated by this story, is that how how bad those of us in the fan, Packer fandom have broken on Aaron Rodgers and how quickly it is. And that's that's the story that transcends the football issue. People say, well, why are people talking about you know the sports and Aaron Rodgers? It, it's because, again, Aaron Rodgers was a, a sports god. And he has completely, in the space of a very limited time, I think, worn out his welcome with a huge chunk of very, very devoted Packers fans. And that's... That, to me, is the interesting thing that transcends this. Um, Jeff, Rogers also has a huge beef with Mark Murphy, which is not discussed. Mark Murphy is the Packers' president as well. Jeff, if they don't play, let him sit or trade him to some bottom team. Um, well, 
you know, you got to find the right trade partner. Um, so it, it's an interesting dynamic, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. June 8th is when he's due to report. The way I understand it is there, there's mandatory fines, and those fines can't be waived. Now, when, when you have as much money as Aaron Rodgers has, thanks to his career and thanks to the Packers, may, maybe getting fined 50 grand a year. I, I said that. Before, you know, Melissa Barkley, I, I remember when he, he didn't report to the OTAs and, and he gave up a half a million dollar, you know, bonus. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I, I wish I could have, most people, you know, how, think about how long most people have to make, have to work to make oh, $500,000. And this guy just, well, I'd rather stay in Hawaii. You know, I'd, rat, I'd, I'd rather be in Hawaii. Who, who cares about $500,000? It, it's just, if you want to talk about stuff being out of whack, maybe, Maybe it's the amount of money that we pay movie stars and professional athletes that you can, you know, you you can just afford to not show up and, and forfeit half a million dollars. There really is something to that when you think about what they do and how much they make. It's just absolutely incredible. What, what, <laughs> right, and you and you think about what what nurses are paid, yeah, or what 100%. or what doctors are paid, mm-hmm. or what firefighters or police officers are paid to the point that okay, the, the guy throws a football. And I, I get it. it's very very talented. We 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 enjoy it. I'm a huge sports fan, but you get to a point where you have so much money that eh, I don't feel like showing up. If I lose a half a million bucks, you know what what is it? Yeah, we tend to glory. I think the wrong thing in American culture, right? It's sports stars, movie stars. Yeah. And, and we and we pay them. We pay them big money. Right, exactly. And again, I'm a free market guy. Mm-hmm. I understand that. You have you have talents and I and I never I never object to people making as much money as they possibly can. Okay, that that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But still it's like, wow, you know, half a million dollars and all you have to do is show up. You're listening to Jack Wagner on WTMJ. One thing I do love about this job, and Melissa used the word out there, the, the randomness. I love the randomness of spoken word radio because it's just, it's the interaction with people in the text lines and the phone calls and stuff. And it's like, just somebody out of clear blue says, pay Melissa, Melissa should be paid more money. I'm, I'm down with that. I, I just got an email from somebody saying, I was listening a while back and you were talking about like cre- cleaning grills. And I, I couldn't hear, I was wondering, did you mention the name of the cleaner that you had to come out to clean the grill? And so if, if not, we're looking to have it done. But it's kind of that, that random because that we were having this conversation that um, about a we, we have a big Weber grill at, at the house you know it's a you know one of those propane things and a year ago I come home and my, my wife is is very into cleaning and stuff and she she wanted to clean the grill and I said honey why don't we call somebody to do this because this looks like a really dirty miserable kind of job and so and I'm talking for people say well you just kind of wipe it down no no this is where you take the whole thing apart and you scour it and and you steam it and and so I, I came home about a year ago and the grill is all it, it's taken apart and there's and and she's got grime all over and there's buckets of like dirty greasy water and stuff and and then we have to put the thing back together and, and she just not did not look happy so this year I said, let's let's find a place. And we did. We found a place. They come out to the house. They've got steaming service. Guy worked really, really hard. Took about two hours. And now the grill looks like new. I mean, it looks like new, but it was it was it was kind of pricey. It wasn't cheap, but it, they, they got it done. But it's kind of that randomness sort of thing. Somebody was listening a while back saying, I was hearing you do that. And, you know, and then, of course, I, I get people, well, you should be able to clean your own grill. And yeah, you, you, you can. But I mean, this this guy did a great job. And it's like, it's new and um, that that's okay. It took him a couple hours. It would have took, taken me six hours and I would have probably just been covered with 
grit and grime, and I wouldn't have been able to do as good a job. So that's it. All right. Two or three weeks ago, we had the disruption of the oil pipeline. A colonial pipeline company is the company that that they they run one of the major gas pipelines that brings gas and, and oil from the Gulf Coast to the East Coast, um, and it services all the way up to New Jersey. Well, I think everybody knows the story. They were the victim of, of a cyber attack. These when you know one of these sort of like dark side of the internet groups came out, demanded ransom money. They wanted four and a half million dollars, um, and, and they they tied up the, the whole oil and gas pipelines. And then, of course, we are our own worst enemy. So even though there wasn't a gasoline shortage per se, I mean gasoline. It wasn't going to come from the pipeline, but they were going to still, they were going to send tanker trucks up and down. And they, they had lots of gas that was in storage all up and down the East Coast. But people read about this, they freak out, they panic. And so there, there's a rush on the gasoline station. So somebody that would have normally filled up their tank on Saturday, well, they rush out on Tuesday. And then everybody does that. And then you see all these long gas lines. And then what happens is the, the gas stations, they, they run out temporarily just because it's not not like there's not gas that's around, but it, it's just they haven't been resupplied yet. And then in, I think, North Carolina, the price goes up to $7 a gallon, something crazy like that, because we we panic. The example I gave before, it was kind of like the, the toilet paper issue at the start of the pandemic. There was no short. There was never a shortage of toilet paper. What happened, though, was it, it people freak out. They rush to Costco and they buy three years worth of toilet paper instead of just one of the giant 36 roll things that's going to last most people for quite a while. They buy four of those. They buy as much as they can get and then everybody starts doing it and then the, the toilet paper is gone from the shelves. And it's not like there's not toilet paper that's out there, but it's not in the stores because it takes, you know, a couple days to get the toilet paper, you know, the, from the warehouse to where it belongs. But we're, we're our own worst enemy and we did did that with toilet paper. We, we did it with gasoline. And if you haven't been following this, there's now another example of this. There's been a cyber attack on the world's largest meat processor. It's called JBS Beef. And yesterday, all JBS beef plants in the U.S. were shuttered. And many of its pork and poultry plants were also affected. Um, and this, again, it, it's one of these same sort of groups that, that they originate from Eastern Europe. They actually they originate from Russia. And, and what they do, this is, it, it's an attack, again, on the, the plants so that the plants need their computer systems to run and things like that. So they're, they're shut down temporarily. And it's, again, it's not like, it's not like there, there's not meat in the system. This is a temporary disruption. It's not like you have a hurricane that blows through the Gulf and devastates the area and you have to shut down oil production for months. This is it's a temporary cyber attack that causes a modest and temporary disruption. But what happens is it makes it becomes worse because people freak out. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to get hamburger. So you run to the grocery store and you buy all the hamburger you can find that that's it because you're uh, afraid that two weeks from now you might not be able to buy hamburger and there's going to be hamburger. There, But what happens is when people do this and they react in this fashion, it 
it causes the companies to completely and totally freak out, and so they give in and they pay the money to the, the cyber criminals. All right, so that's kind of the background on this. The the cyber criminals, most of what is going on originates in Eastern Europe in general, and it, it's really, it, it's Russia. This is going on in Russia. Now, we it's coming from Russia. What is unclear is whether or not this is sponsored by the Russian government that is trying to send a message to Joe Biden that we can mess with you. You know, we, we can we know how to you know attack these systems. We can do it. So the question is whether it is sponsored by the Russian government or whether it is tolerated by the Russian government. So, I mean, it's good. Look, stuff like this doesn't happen in Russia in particular, without the Russian government either explicitly either doing it or alternatively turning a blind eye to this. And there's a lot of really smart people who think that ahead of this summit that they've got scheduled with with Biden um, on June 16th, that um, they, they believe that this is is Russia who is actually behind this as kind of a, a show of force before the June uh, 16th summit, which is scheduled with Biden. So far, you know, the Biden administration has declined to condemn Putin because of the colonial pipeline attack. Um, and we've kind of like soft pedaled this saying, OK, well, we don't think the government is directly involved. But even if the government's not directly involved, if Russia wanted to make this stop, I don't think anybody thinks that Russia couldn't make this stop, but Russia doesn't want to make it stop. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time for Joe Biden to take a tougher stand when it comes to Russia and these cyber attacks? Namely, saying, look, we know where this stuff is originating from, and the fact that you are, if not doing it yourself— if not directly meddling in the 2016 election, we know that you are standing idly by and allowing other people to do it. And enough is enough. We are not going to tolerate this. Is it time for Joe Biden to get serious with Vladimir Putin when it comes to these cyber attacks? My answer is, yeah, it's not just time. It's way past time because this is the new form of warfare. It's not, hey, we're going to drop a bomb somewhere. It is we are going to disrupt society because our businesses, our commerce, our lives are so very, very dependent on, again, computer systems. And look, our, our enemies, and Russia is our enemy, our enemies know that they can cause us to freak out. I mean, here, you know, look what happened with the toilet paper. Look what happened with gas. People, oh, my gosh, there might be a couple days before I can fill up my tank. Boom, I, I've got to rush out and do it. They understand how we react, and I think they take advantage of it. Is it time for Biden to get tough with Putin? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, I think the whole world needs to get tough on Putin. My sister in law works for the government, uh, government run Irish healthcare system. They got hacked three weeks ago. Still haven't gotten it straightened out yet. I mean, yeah, the see that the health systems in particular are, are vulnerable to this because 
There's, you know, you, you know, you, you hack into a hospital's record that could keep track of, first of all, all sorts of personal uh, patient information. But on top of that, you know, patients' health care and prescriptions and things like that. You know, this is this is a big deal. Jeff, it's way past time to get tough. Russia will continue to cause havoc if this is not addressed promptly. Say what you want about Trump, but he certainly was not a pushover and made it clear this type of behavior will not be tolerated. Well, well, yes and no. I, I've got a number of emails saying, oh, this all happened with Trump and now it's Biden's problem. And other people saying it would never happen with Trump. Well, okay, these 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 cyber attacks have been going on for the last several years. I mean, one of the biggest ones was in 2019. It was called like the Solar Winds Information Technology Company. Hackers based in Russia invaded the cuts uh, company's information systems and infected computers of 33,000 of its customers, which let um, you know employ which let people spy on on the, the customers. So th- this. I understand that there's an effort here to try to politicize this. Oh, this was Trump or this was all Biden. Now, it's the truth of the matter is, got to put politics aside on this one. It's been going on for the last several years. Putin lets it go on. And I, I think it, it's more than just time for more than just saber rattling. The White House, this is what they say. They say, well... We're engaging directly with the Russian government on this matter and delivering the message that responsible states do not harbor ransomware criminals. Okay, well, that that's fine, but what are you going to do when Putin ignores you? Because that's what he's been doing thus far. Sam in McHenry. Hi, Sam. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? Well, Putin's got his boy in the White House, and the reason why I say that is look at Keystone, Look at, uh, he just shut down uh, the permits for drilling up in Alaska now. Right. He's shutting down our energy, and he's going along with Putin's plans to do that pipeline up there yep. uh, in, in Russia. So, no, he's not going to do anything. He's helping these guys out. He's going to come up with some rhetoric. Uh, you know, I know when Reagan was in the White House, people knew there would be a response if you want to play games with the guy, and pretty much the same with Trump. I know we had some hacking years ago, but, you know, you could pretty much figure Trump would have a response. That's the difference here. He had a response with Iran. He had a response with North Korea. He was pushing back on China. And I think Putin understood where he uh, was at with Trump. Uh, it's all over with now. We got a guy that's a pushover. And, you know, I hate to say it, but it's I just see more of the stuff coming, Jeff. Well, no, thanks. I, I think, it, I mean, unless... Now, now we're we're trying to be on the defensive, and and now there's there's all sorts of security rules that are being put in place for different companies and stuff, and, and that's all good. But but as long as you've got these hackers that are out there, and there's a big story in the New York Times over the weekend. I alluded to it yesterday, but how and now the, these these Russian hackers are are so bold that they're they're selling their malware they're, they're selling the programs to do this to other people who are then you know going out and, and doing it it's it's really become this giant cottage industry now what sam was referring to with the 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 pipelines was that um trump had sanctions on what was called the it's called the nord stream 2 pipeline that runs natural gas from russia to europe the the one asset i mean russia's got pretty much nothing but the one asset they do have is like natural gas and things like that um trump Trump, Trump had these sanctions in place. Biden has lifted those. So um, he's actually kind of 
again, sort of coddling Russia in that way. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the pipeline to decide one way or the other whether I think it's a good idea. But I do know that Russia is not our friend. And whether it is the Russian government that is responsible for the, the cyber attacks or whether it the Russian government, like I say, is, is tolerating this because if Russia, trust me, if Russia wanted to stop this from going on within its border, I have no doubt that Russia could stop this from going on with, within its border. The problem for the United States is because we don't have the reach into Russia, it's not like you can send the FBI out or, you know, with, with search warrants or things like that. It's, it's, in many respects, it is beyond the reach of our government unless you get cooperation from Russia. And Russia doesn't appear to have any incentive to try to cooperate. But I agree with you, Sam. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And we are, like I say, we're our own worst enemies when we freak out and go, oh, my gosh, we might not be able to get toilet paper. So let's buy, you know, a year's supply. Or, oh, my gosh, you know, we th- there might be a time when we, we can't fill up our tank as soon as we want to. Or we can't get, you know, hand hamburger for a day or two. So let's buy everything. You know, we've got to be bigger than that as well. But Joe Biden needs to stand up to Vladimir Putin. And his first chance to do that is going to be on June 16th. Back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Is it rational or is it hysterical? There is a breathless story in the New York Times today. The headline, for many workers, change in mask policy is a nightmare. After a shift by the CDC, employers withdrew mask policies that workers felt were protecting them from unvaccinated customers. Okay, so the the story in a nutshell. Now, the the New York Times, of course, has been the the anti-Trump paper of record and the, the fact that President Trump is no longer around to kick around. That, that's kind of hurt their, their clicks and their subscriber base. So what they try to do is w- whenever we can uh, sort of dredge up something that we can we can bring back and try to instill the dislike that some people had for, for Donald Trump, we, we can do it. So, uh, again, the, the point of this article is that mask wearing has been political from the beginning and all that sort of stuff. But But now what it says is that, they, they do interviews with a series of of workers in the hospitality and fast food industry, and they find a half dozen. They do interviews with, um, I'm sorry, a dozen retail, hospitality, and fast food workers, and they say, all right, has your company, following CDC advice, have they decided to allow people to come into your store um, and interact with you, and they're not wearing masks? And so that that's the deal. It's these companies who are now kind of on the the honor system where, you know, people don't have to wear masks in the store. So that's the group. So then they go out and they interview like a dozen of these people who work in the hospitality, retail and fast food workers. The the first one that is quoted is a um, woman who's a, a meat cutter at a Kroger supermarket. Kroger is the big company that owns like the Pick and Saves and Metro Mart here. But she's a, a she's a meat cutter in Yorktown, Virginia. And this is what she says. She says, well, um, you know, everybody had to wear masks up up until like mid-May whenever the CDC changed its rulings. She says, then the store told us that we could no longer ask customers to cover their faces. She says, mask use plummeted. And she says, well, what this has caused, she says, I'm incredibly anxious 
And uh, me and my other workers, we're, we're terrified. This is the money quotation. We just feel like we're sitting ducks, said Ms. Wainwright, who estimated that fewer than half of the patrons wore masks on a recent Sunday. Now it's just a free-for-all. Now, the, the lady herself has been vaccinated. So she's been vaccinated, but she says, well, we're still worried that even though we're vaccinated, somebody not wearing a mask can come in the store and, um, you know, we could somehow get sick from them. Okay, our numbers, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I'm sorry, but th- this hysteria that continues to be out there, I think, is almost mind-boggling to me. And I guess I am convinced that there are some people who just refuse and will continue to refuse for the foreseeable future to recognize that once you have been vaccinated, you are essentially bulletproof when it comes to this stuff and that you're protected. Now, in the case of of this lady, there's nothing that says that she cannot wear a mask while she's cutting meat. All right. It is true that she's going to be interacting with customers who aren't wearing masks, but she's been vaccinated. She can wear a mask if she wants. And she seems to think that, oh, this is terrible that our employer has now had a policy of allowing people to come into the store and without, again, having to show a vaccine passport, make the decision whether they wear a mask or not. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand the basis of the mask rules. I, I've, I've gotten it. But now that we're at a point where people have gotten vaccinated, a large percentage of people have gotten vaccinated, and this particular lady who works in the retail, or in this case, the food service industry, she is vaccinated herself. Is there a reasonable, do people under these circumstances, do they have a reasonable concern that, gee, my employer is now going to make me interact with people who might not be wearing a mask? Or is this is this just hysterical? 855-616-1620. And, and to tell you the honest truth, I, I think this is kind of that hysterical reaction. I get the concern before this lady had been vaccinated. Gee, e- even if I'm wearing a mask, I don't want to have to interact with somebody who else is not wearing a mask. But now she's been vaccinated. And if she chooses, she can still continue to wear a mask. And yes, she's not going to know for sure whether the person on the other side of the counter has, in fact, been vaccinated or not. It's maybe 50-50 whether they have. But but she's been vaccinated. At some point in time, do we have to say, you got to get on with your life? 855-616-1620. This idea, and again, the money quotation is, we feel like we're sitting ducks. Sitting ducks for what? All right, we discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Yeah, the money quotation is, we feel like we're sitting ducks, said Ms. Wainwright. Now it's just a free-for-all. Her beef is that even though she has been vaccinated, she's she's a meat cutter in a grocery store. She is upset that her employer is allowing people to come in and they're not wearing masks. Now, she can wear a mask if she wants. And, by the way, she has been vaccinated. But she's still concerned about this. 855-616-1620. Jackie in Manitowoc. Jackie, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jackie. So I'm a pediatric infectious disease specialist. Um, I work for the state right now um, in public health. And she does have a point. Um, she does. Um, even people who are 
fully vaccinated can get COVID. They can. The vast majority of those people do not have nearly the, the severity of symptoms that somebody who is not vaccinated can have. Well, but let, I, let's I start off. I mean, the va- but let me start off. The vaccinations, mm-hmm. what they, they're somewhere between 95 and 98% effective, right? Depends on which one you got. Um, Johnson & Johnson is slightly less effective, mm-hmm. but has been proven in um, in some um, emerging research to be more effective against uh, the variants of COVID. Right. Okay. And and for the other ones, the mm-hmm. Pfizer and Moderna. I mean, the numbers I've seen thrown around. Yeah. N- right. Ninety five percent. So if if mm-hmm. you're vaccinated, the chance of you getting COVID is is not great. And my understanding is even for those people who who might be might get what do they call it breakthrough might be the breakthrough mm-hmm. people. The the chances of of hospitalization or death is is almost slim to none. Right. Correct. That's correct. Okay. That is correct. All right. Um, it can still make you sick. I mean, I've had people who have lost their taste and smell. That's sure. been their that's been their clue. I've had people that thought that they just had really bad allergies, and that they found out that they were exposed to sure. somebody. They tested. They were positive. Um, but what what the, the vaccines are really good at doing is keeping you from dying, mm-hmm. and that's really the point. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why we want people. To, well, that's right. I mean, it, it's sort of like the flu shot, too. I mean, for example, I got mm-hmm. two, a couple of years ago, I got a flu shot. I got the flu, but I, I had it for like a day instead of having it for a week. And I, I'm convinced I, I'm convinced I would have been a lot sicker, you know, with uh, if, if I had not had the flu shot. So I, I exactly it works just like that. There are over 90 different varieties of influenza uh-huh. and we can vaccinate against four. But that's what we do. We vaccinate against four every year. Right. So I guess so, my yeah. question to you, Jackie, would be, all right, since we, mm-hmm. we want people to get vaccinated, she her point is essentially that we should still be making people wear masks. And I guess my point is no. <laughs> what, what do you think? I mean, should we still I, be I wearing masks? I don't think it's necessary if you're vaccinated yeah. as long as you keep your symptoms in mind. Um, If you're a person who gets seasonal allergies and and all of a sudden your seasonal allergies seem really bad, get tested. Um, If you're a person who has a number of different what we call comorbidities, but um, uh, different health concerns that make you extra vulnerable, like if you have COPD, if you're a diabetic, um, if if you have congestive heart failure, you should absolutely still wear a mask, even if you are fully vaccinated. But for the, the general population, you're safe to take those off. Yeah. See, and I guess I would say, and I, I, I appreciate and I agree with everything you just said, Jackie. I would also imagine that if, okay, from this woman's perspective, if you're, you've, let's say you've got a number one, a number of those issues that you were just talking about. Well, it's not just mm-hmm. COVID you should be worried about. It would be all sorts of other things. The, maybe she's exactly. in the wrong business. <laughs> you know, if you're, if, if you really, you know, have, a compromised immune system or whatever, um, you, mm-hmm. maybe you shouldn't be interacting with the general, you know, public in general. I don't mean to be flip about that, but there's, there, there maybe there's some people that that's not the best job if you're if you've got a compromised immune system that you're interacting with people with all the germs, COVID notwithstanding. That's incredibly correct. Yes, <laughs> yeah. if you have a number of of health issues, you might want to think about about doing something else where you don't have that public-facing 
position. For, and I understand for some people that's not an option. Right. Um, and if they're more comfortable to wear a mask, by oh. all means, it won't hurt you. Right. Right. No, exactly. No, Jackie, thank, thanks for the call and perspective. And I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think it's that there will always be some people, like she was saying, that that, that have a particular sort of vulnerability and, 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 and maybe a job where you're interacting and passing stuff back and forth and touching money and you know, shaking hands and interacting with people on a close basis. Maybe that's not the right thing for you. I, I think for most people, though, again, once once you have been vaccinated, even if if it's not going to stop you, like Jackie was saying, m- maybe it is going to be the the unicorn si- situation, and and maybe you might be one of those breakthrough cases, and and you might get it again because it's only it's ninety five or ninety six percent effective or whatever. E- even if it's that situation, you're, you're you're probably in all likelihood not going to be hospitalized. And, and again, nobody wants to get sick, but at some point in time, it does seem to me that we've got to start moving on. And, and this quotation about well, we're all just sitting ducks. Well, okay, if that's really the way you feel, maybe you are in in the wrong business, unless we're going to say, you know, everybody everywhere has got to wear masks for the next X number of of years. Um, Jeff, I had COVID. I have diabetes and asthma. I have had hangovers that were worse. People need to stop fear mongering. Well, look, I I don't want to downplay. I don't want to downplay COVID. And, and I hope I haven't over the course of the last year. I know some people think that's the case, but, but that's, that is the incentive for getting vaccinated. You get vaccinated and you should be able to go about and, and live your life. That's why you do it. And the, the argument for wearing masks and all that type of stuff and keeping these workplace rules in the past has been people haven't had an opportunity to get vaccinated. They, they, we had a shortage of the vaccines. We were doing the rollout. That that argument has gone away. Vaccines, anybody that wants a vaccine can get the vaccine. I mean, that's that's just kind of the reality. And in the case of these service workers, they have gotten the vaccine. And I support that. I think that was the um, smart thing. Jeff, I have COPD and I'm type 2 diabetic. I am fully vaccinated. Um, No more masks for me. Jeff, we are rapidly becoming a nation of wimps. The greatest generation, my folks, would be shaking their heads or scolding us if they were still with us. Jeff, I was at the DMV yesterday to renew a license, and first of all, they wouldn't even let us come in and wait with masks on, despite the fact that there was, I assume, without masks. Oh, they wouldn't let us come in and wait with masks on, despite the fact there was hardly anyone there. We needed to wait in the car until they called us. Then we were able to come in with masks on. This is a government agency, the same government that is telling us we don't need to wear masks anymore if we've been vaccinated where I live. When are these places, including the government, going to follow the science? Well, not for a while. Uh, Jeff, I think the lady maybe should find another job. There's not a reasonable argument for her staff guess this will never stop for some people and, and and yeah i guess that was sort of my reaction as well like i say if the lady wants to wear a mask which would give her added protection on top of the vaccination wear a mask and and by the way i when i see i was at the baseball game last night like i said and i would guess um 90 95% of the fans in the stands were not wearing masks. The, the, the mask rule was not in place. But there were there were a handful of people who were. And by the way, I'm cool with that. I, I, I would I do not I do not look at that as an oddity. 
I do not look and say, okay, these, these people are unnecessarily paranoid. I look at that as an individual choice. And if given where we are in the world, people decide that they want to continue to wear a mask, I, I, I say go with God. God God bless them. Wear a mask for the rest of your life. It's okay with me, and I'm not being flip about that. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. That's, that's a choice you make. And if you are more comfortable because you say, hey, you know, I've been wearing this mask and I haven't, I'm not as likely to get a cold or whatever, I'm okay with that. I, I think that's a, that's a rational, that is a, that is a decision that adults can make for themselves. But at the same time, I, the, the idea that people are going to be who have been vaccinated are essentially going to be afraid to interact with other people, that, that's, I, I think that's going too far for the, on the other extreme. And I guess that's part of the point that's um, out there. Jeff, the place I work has an almost 85% vaccination rate. It's a highly educated crowd that is heavy on science research for medical purposes. We still have people wearing masks, even though the company policy is that we don't have to wear masks. I think it's kind of um, aggravating for that. Um, Jeff, my wife was at a store down an aisle and a lady 10 feet from her with a mask on says, excuse me, can I just get something that's right in front of you? I won't breathe. My wife says, go ahead. I'm not worried. Hysteria is correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's that that's crossing over the line into hysterical reactions. And my reaction to this story in The New York Times was if you're that worried, you know, dealing with the public. After you've been vaccinated, because some of the general public might not have, might not be wearing masks or aren't wearing masks, and you don't know for sure whether they're vaccinated or not, but you are. If if you're going to lose sleep over that and go public with it, maybe you should find another profession where you don't have to deal with people in a public setting. All right, when we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around.